Blog Talk Radio. Let's be my heart. 
Father, we praise your name and thank you, Lord. We thank you so much. We thank you so much for helping us, for talking to us through your servants, the prophets, even though we have gone through a dry period for some time, at least one that uh, the level of trust that we were able to embrace um, seemed to diminish and for reasons that had been prophesied through Stanley Frodsham more than 50 years ago. And the very idea that we were even privy to that prophecy and that it was given to us was uh, just a miracle. Father, the days that we're in right now, as you know, are extremely difficult. Um, And we just want to give you all the praise and worship and thank you so much. Thank you for bringing us through the various trials and tribulations, the difficult times that many of us have gone through and continue to go through. And help us, Lord, to uh, trust you, to trust you more than we've ever trusted you before, to be able to function and to work for you, um, you know, to work our jobs as we are commanded in the scripture, to work them as if we are working them for you, and to be able to do a, a really good job at the at that work, even amidst all of the World War III rumblings that are taking place out there, many of which I'm not even aware of right now because of how rapidly uh, today merged from work to the program. So for all I know, uh, something really bad has happened. I, I don't even have any idea about it. Many of us probably don't at this point until we look later. And Father, we just praise you. We know that things are getting very, very bumpy out there. We see the signs that that Jesus warned us about in the Olivet Discourse so clearly now. We see what I would consider to be conclusive evidence that the prophecy that was spoken through Wings of Prophecy, oh, maybe only about six to eight months ago, where it said that we had entered into the period of sorrows, was so utterly accurate. And we're we're embracing that, but at the same time, it's very troubling for many of us because we have we have to carry on. For some of us, carrying on just simply means to wake up and praise you and spend time in the Bible and you know just go through retired life and deal with you know whatever frustrations are associated with that. But for for the rest of us that are working in you know day jobs and you know, we're dealing with layoffs that are monumental. I mean, they're the largest numbers of layoffs that uh, the economy of this country has probably ever seen, or, you know, at least going back into the 30s to the Great Depression. And um, now, Father, we have Basel Three that's about to go into full enforcement, um, requiring banking institutions to have much more... Uh, viable collateral as opposed to just derivatives and uh, borrowing against um, other people's loans. And Father, you know, these things are all precursors to a massive collapse that I think we all know, well, I I know as a fact that we all know, uh, is a part of Revelation. It's a part of Revelation chapter 6. It's clearly the third seal. And we've been seeing the hyperinflation, the incredible increases in, in price. The Many of our brothers and sisters, Father, have been, uh, they have lost their jobs. Many of them have lost their homes. Many of them have lost everything. And their families are rejecting them. 
And Father, I would just like to take this moment in the name of Jesus to lift up all of these without actually mentioning their names for the sake of privacy, but to lift up those who have reached out to me. Maybe it was directly or maybe it was by word of mouth or whatever. And let me know about people who are very dear to us, past guests that have been on the program who have literally lost everything. And um, and I do mean their jobs. I do mean um, their dwelling place and essentially their homeless. Um, and Father, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, please. You know who they are. Now, we clearly do not know all of them, but you do. And we're asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, please, for those that know Jesus as their Lord, even if they're just, even if they were marginal and they weren't really dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, maybe there were, we are all imperfect. And we're just asking you in the name of Jesus, Father, please, open doors for them that are absolutely miraculous. Open doors for jobs that seemingly just fall from the sky into their laps. Open opportunities in the name of Jesus for them to find housing, a dwelling place, and change their life dynamics, Father God. They are your believers. And we pray in the name of Jesus that these these misfortunes will not occur to us or not happen to us. We're asking for your divine protection over each of us. And at the same time, Father, though, we are lifting up our fellow brothers and sisters who are suffering on account of this very slow and exceedingly obvious crushing fall of major economies across the world. In fact, as you know, Father, and as was uh, prophesied clearly in Revelation in the fourth seal, that a quarter of the earth will meet with death, which is uh, the pale horse, and, and that quarter of the earth will be made up of the West. And it will be the United States, Canada, Australia, Tasmania, no doubt, uh, It'll include New Zealand and all of Europe, almost for sure. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name. We're asking you for miracles because you're a God of miracles. Matthew 19.26 says, with God, all things are possible. And we're asking you not just for possibilities, but for promises. We're asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for these miracles to be poured out from your heavenly throne room. And open up those doors. Now, we know, Father God, that we must put an effort forth. I speak from experience. I've been through it before. You know that I have. And it was horrible to go through it. It was the worst possible case scenario that could have ever happened. 1,300 people in my town, literally within five miles of my house, in one of the most highly advanced high-tech companies in the world, even today, thrown into the streets almost at the same time. Lines upon lines, three-week waits for interviews that were never going to bear fruit. Father, I praise you for saving me at the last split second, just before the mortgage uh, was to be um, foreclosed upon. I thank you, Father, for placing it upon my heart to spend that time going to interviews, 
even though I was highly and highly, highly discouraged as I would go through this process, sometimes waiting to, like I said, two to three weeks just to get an opportunity to talk to somebody. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that this is not what's going to be the case for your believers. We are asking you to open the doors that you want for them to have open and slam shut the doors that you do not want for them to have open. We are asking for a miracle on their behalf in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for when two or more are gathered together on this earth, praying, believing, agreeing, we shall receive it in accordance with Matthew 18, verse 19. And we stand upon that, and we believe it with all of our heart. And we are asking you, Father, in Jesus' name, to open those doors for them. Cause those miracles to occur. Show yourself mighty and loving and strong to those of, those of yours who worship you, who love you, many of whom have served you quite amazingly so. Very well. And Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that those doors will open absolutely as quickly as possible. We praise your holy name and we thank you, Father, for answering these prayers. Please, Father. And also with Basil III becoming active and the, the various stress testing that's going to be happening with the financial sector in the next several months. Father, we're asking you, There, there are many people with many opinions that are stating them forth, as you know. Perhaps they believe that they're believers. Perhaps they, you know, I, I, I don't know, and I don't judge. I, I'm just saying, Father, you know, you're very, very aware. Of course, you understand all these things. And, and there's much to do out there. Many people, much to do, even celebration associated with the stress testing that the financial uh, services industry and the mortgage lending companies are about to go through under Basel III. And, Father, I just have a feeling that, that the expectations of the onlookers is going to be the opposite of what they think. And it might be pretty devastating. And I just pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will place your righteous right hand, your wings, the feathers of your wings, will unshadow us, and that you will hold us underneath your divine protection, Father, as we march forward as your workers, seeking for opportunities to touch other people's lives, to give like we've never given before. Thank you, Father, for placing it upon my heart to just give and continue to give with great abandon to the point of almost absolute ruin, lifting my arms in praise to you when I had no job for many months, knowing that the foreclosure notice was coming quick. But I wouldn't give up. I believe I praised you. And at the very last minute when I had just the smallest amount of money, barely able to hold on another couple months, maybe, you came through with the greatest miracle I have ever had happen to me. It was amazing. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will instill this type of faith, total abandon, total trust. As Sister Elena has put it, ferocious trust in you, Father. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that that, that, for, that our trust, that our anointing, that those of us who are receiving your anointing, that those of us who are abiding, abiding, 
that secret place of the Most High throughout the day, who, as I did even earlier today because of some things that I got cornered into saying, which I shouldn't have, um, I s- slipped up and I fell, put my head on the, my desk in tears and I begged your forgiveness, Father God, immediately because I just should not have even entertained it. I was lured into discussing things that shouldn't be repeated. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that each one of us walk a walk that is so retrospect that we look upon every word that we say, every thought that we think, every feeling that we feel in our heart, and we inspect it, that we we become Jesus to ourselves, because we are, for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Our Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you of our heart. Because it wasn't, if it wasn't for your advocacy, if it wasn't for your divine focus on each of us, we may be the victims that need the prayer. And at this time, we've been blessed to be those who can pray the prayers on behalf of those who have taken such grave losses, many of whom have been rejected by their families and have no place to turn. And are living in great fear, perhaps even living great, you know, from paycheck to paycheck in some cases. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for each one of these. I ask you and I pray that everybody that is joining me, whether live or whether listening to a podcast later, doesn't matter. That in accordance with Matthew eighteen nineteen, that each of our prayers will be heard and that you honor them. For it says, again, I say to you, you said to us, Lord Jesus, our Savior, our King, the lover of our soul, he who loved us at our darkest times, he who is our true advocate. As we look back on our lives, whom of us cannot say with great assurance that we have had your miracles happening to us over and over again? where we can identify, in some cases, a specific event in our lives that was so traumatic that it had to have been your holy hand saying enough is enough, making us make that hard turn apart and to go running into your arms and begin to journey forward into, into deep sanctification and great hope great, great hope that we will be here. We know, we believe with all of our heart that the Antichrist is Obama. We believe with all of our heart as thousands of people do and many, probably equally thousands, tens of thousands perhaps, of many, many of which we haven't heard even. Father, remember the, uh, remember the, um, was it a Newsweek article or something? I have a copy of it. Um, from way back, goodness, was it 2011, where 25% of the people polled in the United States of America stated that they believed that Obama was the Antichrist. We've had so many preachers, teachers, prophets on this program over the last 13 years that came on this program for the specific purpose of confirming that Obama is the Antichrist. We have God's Healer 7 that has probably no less than a half a dozen YouTube prophetic words stating emphatically and explicitly that Obama is the Antichrist. 
we have so many people that are awakening, awakening to these things, and that puts a marker. It takes that flag, that perpetual flag that one would, that an explorer would pound into the snow and at the North Pole or, or in Antarctica to stake their claim on land. It allows us to be able to point to a, a timeline marker that is encouraging to us, even as we, we experience what appears to be almost an impossible to endure delays. Father, your gift and your kindness, your love to us, you're, you're helping us to understand and see these things, the lessons that we have learned as you relented and changed your mind. We've, we've had incredible prophets with prophetic pedigree that goes back through generations. Linda Jackson and more that have been on this program and prophesied that Obama would be the last president. But Father, you, but she did, she did prophesy as well that if the church doesn't turn into the house of prayer, into a house of prayer, that these bad things would happen. Essentially, martial law and Obama staying in the office of the president, being the last president. We had so many of those, Father. We had many, many more um, that did not draw that line in the stand. They, they, they said he was the Antichrist, but they didn't make that statement that he was going to stay in the presidency. I remember Father God back in 2015 how we believed strongly that there was no way the church in the United States would turn into a house of prayer adequately enough to prevent to prevent uh, those prophecies from coming true. So we were very, very, I was, and I know many hundreds of other people I've, I, I know for sure, have also powerfully and strongly believed in 2015 that that was it. We had so many, Father God. Remember I had the whiteboard? Remember I had like 30 prophecies, prophetic words from various people? And I used to recite them, one right after the other. Remember the prophecy of the atheist who was taken to heaven and was told that in 2020, that would be the last year? Remember that, Father? I know you do. I know you do. Of course you do. We don't know. We don't know. We don't have the ability to see the beginning from the end. And we don't have the ability to, to judge, to sense, to know what the count is and what's what you would consider adequate enough in prayer to relent and allow another chapter to unfold as it has all the way from 2016 to where it is today. To see all these things unfold before us, to be privileged enough to be able to continue to serve you while we know that there are our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters that are losing their jobs, losing their homes, having their families turn their backs on them, sleeping in cars, adults 
that love you, that served you. Father, we beseech you in the mighty name of Jesus and in accordance with Matthew eighteen nineteen. Again, I say unto you, if any, if two of you agree on earth, and Father, I think you would probably agree that we are on earth, on earth considering anything that they ask, that will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And we're holding this verse up to you and we're asking you, Father, through your divine mercy, for your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. And we ask you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, to open those doors wide, to rain down upon them miracles, to open doors for them that are absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt to anyone who is aware of their existence on this earth, that there was a miracle that occurred because of your grace, your awesomeness, your mercy, and the response to this prayer. I remember, Father God, when we were on this program, when Hurricane Irma came up around the edge of uh, the Florida Keys, and it was literally grazing over the top of, of uh, Naples. It was right off the shore. Remember, Father, you, I know you remember. Lord Jesus, remember that? Surely you do. And we had a kind of like a Hurricane Irma. Myself and Jose did a Hurricane Irma radio show special together that night. And we prayed in the name of Jesus that that hurricane would make a hard right. And it did. It went straight inland and then went straight up the Florida, the center of the Florida Peninsula. Now, it wreaked havoc. It did. But it was not the direct hit on Tampa that it was projected to be for weeks. You answered that prayer. A very large tree, more than 50, 60 feet tall, crashed into my house during the radio show, live. I remember the entire house shaking. I did not even know what it was. I thought it was some kind of a her, uh, an earthquake or something is what it felt like. Remember, Father, all these things, these are miracles that occurred over all these last 13 years. You've answered so many prayers. You've, I was confronted by my boss, who you know, Father, wanted to fire me. It was almost like a fulfillment of what you said, Jesus, um, uh, where, you know, where you said in, in the Olivet Discourse that many of us would be brought before magistrates and don't fret over what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will take control of our tongues and we will be able to speak through the Holy Spirit. It was almost like that. It's amazing. I was, I was to be terminated at that moment of time. That was the purpose of the phone call that I was on. The exact words in my mouth to say, and I did not lie, I said the exact words, and the show was preserved. My job was preserved. That was a miracle. I could, I could sit here for hours and hours literally reciting things that have happened to me that were impossible, that it could, I should have been dead. Times when I was seeped in sin, doing absolutely unacceptable things, and you saved my life. My mother prophesying that I would be here, single, doing this radio show in 1972. 
impossible. And all the mistakes that I made along the way, thinking I was once saved, always saved. I could do anything I wanted to. It wasn't until I broke away from churchianity because of a very bad night. And here we are. But it doesn't, in the grand scheme of all of this, many of us, Father God, can look back on our lives. We can go back to when we were teenagers. We can go back to when we were just children. We can... We can remember times when we should have died or should have been put in jail for the rest of our lives or at least for 10 or 15 years, maybe longer. And a miracle occurred. I have so many of those, I can't even, it's just shattering, mind-shattering to think about it. We know experientially, Father God, that you are our Father of miracles, that you do love us, that you are protecting our destinies. And I cannot imagine, I cannot believe, not for a moment, that our fellow brothers and sisters can be without a job, living out of their cars, and you will not come to their rescue. I believe with all of my heart that you will, and in the name of Jesus, we lift them up before you. Please, Father, and we ask you. Now, maybe they're going through a test, Maybe they have to go to the point of, you know, Abraham. Maybe they have to lift the knife above the child and start to swing it downward before you say, stop! Before that door swings open. Maybe it'll be like it was for me when I lost my job and almost lost my house and everything that I had. Taken to the very, very, very last minute. Boy, to the very last minute. Father, you are an awesome father. You test the righteous. For that matter, you test even those who are not really righteous, but you want to bring to a special place, wherever that may be. We don't understand it. We don't understand the fiery fires, that, fiery trials that are to try us. We don't. Sometimes we feel victimized. Sometimes we feel forgotten. Sometimes we feel like we got an ice pick in the eye. We've been deserted. And unfortunately, that's the worst thing to feel. Thank you for teaching us. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, for putting me through the things that you put me through that were so horrible that I don't even want to repeat them. I can't even, don't even want to think about them, don't want to imagine them. Temps on my life, being thrown down the stairs, my head smashed into a wall, blood dripping down it. Police, four police cars in the front of my house. Father, all these things, they don't happen just on account of maybe. These things happen for a reason. All of these things that we look back upon in our lives, I I pray in Jesus' name that every single listener, every single person that is listening now, whether live or memorex, I pray in the name of Jesus that you can look back on your life and see those times when our Heavenly Father has moved mightily. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't luck. 
You're where you are because our Father loves you. Father, we love you too. Jesus, well, words can't even, words can't even, I can't even go there. Words cannot describe. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Please forgive us for for getting self-absorbed and feeling sorry for ourselves. When our very existence is on account of you. Not just, not, of course the cross. For the entire world, of course the cross. But your advocacy when the accuser of the brethren stands before the almighty courts of heaven with every right to have us cast down, taken out, and you, Lord Jesus, and the prayers of the saints gave us yet one more chance, or maybe many more chances. The days are dark, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name, in accordance with the promises of your holy word, Please, Mark eleven twenty three. have faith in God. Whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive it, and you will have it. Father, we are asking in Jesus' name for every single one of our fellow brothers and sisters that are believers. Now, if they're going through an adjustment, if it's some form of a chastening, if it's some form of a test to teach them something they need to learn to, to ex- experientially so that they're able to be greater servants in the days to come. Praise your holy name and we thank you, Father. But we do ask in Jesus' name that those miraculous doors will open for them and that they will be taken care of. We pray that for every single one of those of us who are anxiously awaiting the transformation of our bodies to be like you, Lord Jesus. We don't want to be here, but we want to serve you. We want to make you happy. We want to make you happy. And if that requires us to get off our lazy butts and, you know, get on some kind of a special diet or whatever it is that we have to do in our lives to to give us the health, the attitude, the strength, the whatever, the emotional composition to be able to, to, to not only want to serve you, but to do it, to just do it, and to be okay if there's a delay, to understand that you have an agenda, Father God, and you would want not one to perish. And to be able to look around us and see the fruits of our labor in some cases. Some cases just simply through prayer. I've seen amazing things happen. happen in, you know, for, I can't mention names, but people in my family right here in Tampa, near here. And I know other people have, have seen it. But even though, even if you don't see it, We praise you, Father God, because we're asking you for an anointing of trust, a true anointing of trust, ferocious trust, trust that we just cannot, we cannot sit there and feel sorry for ourselves. We cannot sit there and be bummed out. We cannot sit, yes, we're going to have times when we're exhausted, when we are truly exhausted, really exhausted. 
mentally exhausted, super-duper frustrated. And when we get in that state of mind, there is no question that we are exceedingly vulnerable to feel sorry for ourselves, to feel abandoned, forgotten. Some of those prophecies have said over the years. Father, we praise you and we ask you in Jesus' name once again, please, in accordance with your scripture and the promises that you have given to us as your servants, as those who love you, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, please, Father, open those doors, give these people their jobs back, open opportunities for them to have homes, dwelling places, help them to move if they need to move whatever it takes. We pray in the name of Jesus for each of them in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father. We thank you in advance because we know that you're going to answer those prayers for them. Maybe not right away. Maybe they'll have to have an Abraham moment. But we pray in Jesus' name that those doors will be opened and we stand upon your word and know that it will happen. And we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, also, please, as I fumble around with papers and prophecies, (laughs) Father, please, in accordance with the same scriptures that we Well, you know me. I'm sitting here with them all laminated. I got a stack that I can't, you know, I I start out with one or two laminated scriptures and I end up with so many I can't even find the ones I'm looking for. Um, When they fall out of my pocket, I panic and start getting on the floor and start looking for them and trying to put them back in my pocket. Father, these are promises. These are wonderful, wonderful promises. And we believe Whatever you ask for and you believe that you will receive it, you will receive it, providing that the Father will be glorified in the Son. And we praise you for that. And we ask you in Jesus' mighty name, in accordance with Mark 11.23, in accordance with Matthew 18.19, in the name of Jesus, please, Father, where two of us are gathered on earth, Two of us are agreeing together on earth, believing that you will answer us, Father. We're asking you, please. We don't expect that it's going to happen at the same rate of speed. We all have different problems. We all have different things that we deal with. Perhaps there's some of us that are dealing with addictions that are extremely difficult, especially in stressful times, to to stomp on. We're, we're lifting us all up together, Father God. We're holding us up before you, and we pray in Jesus' name that you will do the merciful thing, the awesome thing, and to instill into the hearts of each the strength, the determination to accept no other answer but yes and amen and to just do it. We need to come to a place where our trust in you is everything. For you will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because 
we trust you. Isaiah 26, verse 3. We praise you for that, Lord, because it's true. I thank you for that metallic or whatever magnetic sign on the front door of my house that says those very words. Father, we lift up these scriptures before our awesome, merciful Father. We know that they will come true. We know that they will come true. And we thank you. And we ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, as we all pray together, please, Father, two things. The first thing we request, please, is that you reveal to each of us what we must not be doing. And instill upon us a spirit of determination that cannot be hindered in any manner. Give us the determination of a Navy SEAL in combat, if that be the case. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that that determination will be unstoppable. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you will place angels around about us and give us that strength. Send us to the store. Put that, that, that clear uh, nicotine patch on our arms. Let us follow the instructions and stop fiddle-faddling around. In the name of Jesus, let's get off all the things that we need to get off of. I'm not talking about medications that are required for somebody to stay alive, but I'm talking about, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Father. Some of the things that you helped me with. A lot of things that you helped me with. I praise you for it. And I know that you will have that same mercy for others that have the true heart. A true heart. A true deep, deep desire. How can we come this far? This far. Finish the race especially in light of the fact that we obviously have been chosen for a time such as this. Especially me. I'm such an excellent example of that. That I was born 20 years, 20 plus years later than my two sisters. I have five nieces that are approximately my age, and I probably have better health than most of them do. And I'm older, slightly older than them by a couple of years. I believed that Jesus was going to come so much that I made really bad decisions, which I guess have put me in a place where it throws me to my knees and forces me to have the determination, the patience of Job and the determination of Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, nor thou be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Hallelujah. Let us wield the sword of the Spirit and doggone those torpedoes in Jesus' name. Father, we need your strength. We need your help. We need you to reveal to us anything that is out of alignment with your holy will. Help us, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Reveal it to us and make us, Father, place that spirit of determination upon our heart and, and let us, with your divine assistance, Father, we pray that you will pester us that you will send angels to be in our presence that will continuously pester us, that we will not fail. That's the first thing we request in the name of Jesus together. But the second thing we request, Father, in the name of Jesus, please, is that you will count us worthy, every one of us worthy, to escape all, all of these things that are about to come to pass. We believe in the word all. The word does appear in the text, it's not a 999 or 9999. 
9999. It's not a missing text. It's not an assumption by the interpreters, but it actually exists in the text. All these things which are about to come to pass and stand before the Son of Man, pray always to be counted worthy. Well, we're praying always, Father. We are. We're following. We may not be perfect. We may never be perfect. I estimate that we won't even become close to becoming perfect. Although, through your eyes and our determination, through our desire to spend time on our knees in the secret place of the Most High, for our determin- for, for our choosing to place, you know, when we wake up in the morning to make you the priority, is the priority to look and see if a nuclear bomb went off last night while we were asleep? Is that our priority? So I'm guilty as charged, Father. You know it. Sometimes I wake up and I spend more time looking at the news, hoping that we're going to depart any moment than I do even in prayer. That's not okay. That's not okay. And I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. And you know that I am. And I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that every single person that is praying with me in this regard, not only that you will reveal to each of us our weaknesses and help us to correct them through great determination, unstoppable, unstoppable desire to please you, but also, Father, out of love for you, by the way, out of love for you, not because we want something from you, but because we love you. Because we can look back on our lives. We can remember all of those times when we should have died or gone to jail. And maybe we were in the parable of the uh, prodigal son. Maybe we were the good, the good son that was kind of blown away that you gave the signet ring to the prodigal son because you were so happy he came back. Or in the parable of the uh, the parable parable of the workers in the vineyard, where people were blown away because the, even the people that came late got a full denarius of pay, which seemed so unfair, but it wasn't because it was the owner of the vineyard who made the decision. Father, I praise you for being so merciful to those of us who are so undeserving. Helping us to understand, not not just to understand textually, but experientially, to actually have those feelings, to have a contrite heart, to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we are unworthy, that we are the tax collector with our robes rent crying and embarrassed with a deeply contrite spirit, utterly unworthy, nevertheless hopeful. And we praise you for helping us to understand that. We love you, Father. You are so awesome. You are so merciful. You are so loving and so kind, even in the darkest of days that we are in right now. And why in the world would you have chosen us? Why? 
I mean, at this rate of speed, both of my sisters will be in heaven, and I'll be the last person in my entire family. It's like, you know, still working and, you know, in the coal mine, working in the coal mine. Father, this is just amazing. But we know Obama's the Antichrist. You've been so awesome to show us that. We have that flag to jam into the ice in Antarctica and to place to place our stake and to spend more time in your presence to get our priorities in order to take true joy to be happy in our heart to know but we're walking in such a way that we're pleasing you that our priorities are straight that the time that we spend alone with you is dear to us, and we wouldn't have it any other way. It's the first thing we want to do, and it's the last thing we want to do every day. And we want to do it all day long, and we do do it all day long. We really do. Bring us to that place, Father, we pray, where we truly have godly sorrow when we mess up. Because that will bring us where we need to be, to row that boat away from the shore in the midst of the storm and not just sit there flopping around like a jellyfish and crashing into the rocks. Give us that determination, we pray, Father, because we love you. We want to serve you. We know it's not going to be easy. We don't know how long we're going to be here. We can see all the things being made manifest, and we pray in the name of Jesus that you will please count us worthy. Reveal to us the things that are not harmonious with your holy will because we love you. Let us wake up every morning and remember to say we love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. You are our hero. You are the wind beneath our wings. We hunger and thirst. We pant like the deer. We want to be in your presence at all times. We want to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want to see 1111 everywhere we look. Even in the midst of the darkest times that the earth has ever seen, which I believe to truly are today, I know there's arguable evidence in the scripture to indicate, you know, like as in the days of Noah. And we no, not, none of us, we can speculate until we're blue in the face, but none of us can really be sure exactly how bad things were during that period of time. We know about the Sumerians. We know about the land of Ur, where Job was. We know that in the land of Ur that the archaeologists have dug up clay tablets that were chiseled and put together by the, the ancient Sumerians with alien beings and creatures chiseled into them in the very land that Job lived, or at least down the street. What was going on in the days of Noah? We know about the giants. We heard about them. But what about the other creatures? How many other beings were here? Civilizations that, where did the people? Father, the accounts are so limited. No wonder there are so many unbelievers that point to them as inconsistencies and call out the Bible as being a fable. I believe with all of my heart that they were alien-human hybrids brought to this earth on spaceships. That's what I believe. It makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense. And it explains why in Numbers 13, you sent in that 
war party to go in and then commanded them to wipe it all out. Every plant, every child, every mother, every fa- every being, anything that lived that was tainted with the fallen angelic seed of evil. And now we're completely immersed in it today. Unless we shut off everything around us, which many have. Many have. At some point we're expecting if we're doing an end times radio show like I'm doing, Father, you get exposed to a whole lot more than you really want to. Because you have to look at the material to see if you can report on it. And there's things that you can't unsee. And it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. But you know, Father, it's still... It may be a burden, but it's also a blessing. Because if we didn't know what you have shown us, if we were unaware, if we stopped at the 25 milligram red pill and said, enough is enough, I don't want to know anymore, we would be living in utter ignorance like the rest of our, sadly, like the rest virtually, I won't say the rest, but I'll say virtually the rest of our brothers and sisters are across this country for sure. And certainly many, many other countries in the West as well. Countries that we have slaughtered their children and are slaughtering their children. I've said so many times, Father, you know that I have on this program, because your Bible says so. Your very word, the word of the Holy Spirit, the word of our King, the word of the lover of our soul, our advocate, our Jesus, stated explicitly that the days that we're in right now are going to be every bit as ugly and bad as they were back then. And we can't even quantify we don't really have a point of reference for his brother, J. Vernon McGee, who is probably listening from the cloud of witnesses, maybe even now, said in his book, Through the Bible, God hath not given us all the details. He has given us very few details. And we praise you because we are burdened but blessed with an understanding that's hard to walk with. But Father, the alternative, how awful. Please count us worthy to escape all these things and be your first fruits replay. Please count us worthy to be your first fruits. Open our eyes. Help us to walk. Help us to become perfect enough in your eyes contrite spirits, humble, loving, giving till it hurts. Without hesitation. Because we get joy from it. What other reason is there to even work? Thank you for placing it upon our heart to want to be able to make money through your blessings to bless others just like the early church did. What a powerful, mighty blessing that is. To seed into missionary work, 
where they go where no one else would go and save souls that could not be saved. Even, I mean, Brother Sammy Mwangi, Father God, we lift him up before you and we pray for Pipes International. We ask you to anoint anoint Esther, their child, to fund all the works, the wonderful things that they're doing for the Maasai, building the buildings that they're building. It's incredible. These are tribes of people in Africa that would have nothing to do with a white man. You could send 50 Moody, you know, Mr. Moody's or whatever from the Moody Bible, and you could send 50 of them over there with Bibles thumping away, and it wouldn't matter. You could send uh, an untold number of John G. Lakes over there to the Maasai, and they would have nothing to do with them because they're white. And now we have the most awesome dynamic of all. Brother Sammy Mwangi, he can go right over there, hang out with the Maasai, tell them about Jesus, change their entire lives, build buildings, put in wells, and do it. And we have an opportunity to seed into that, knowing that the money isn't being stolen, knowing that it's not going to somebody's private jet. How awesome is that? Praise you, Father, for those opportunities. Let us all see them for what they are. It's amazing. Please find us, count us worthy. Help us to get to the place that we need to be in our walk. Give us that courage. Place a spirit of trust on us that is so mighty, so powerful. And Father, we none of us love you enough. The greatest commandment, the greatest commandment stated in the Old Testament and the New is to love you with all our heart, all our mind, all of our soul. And that is a lot of love. And I doubt very, very much that anyone that's listening to my voice right now loves you that much. And we need you to place a spirit of love upon our heart that gives us a desire that is unquenchable that we really have our hearts broken when we mess up, even if we say something. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, our flesh, and our tongues, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robing gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1, verse 15. We pray for your purity, the blood of our Lord Jesus, to cover us, to cover our loved ones, to cover our dwelling places, to cover our jobs. We pray for the assignment of warrior angels, Father God. Holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to encapsulate all that would be a part of our existence here on this earth, that we might be able to serve you better. And we pray in the name of Jesus that any of our brothers and sisters that have been encumbered in any way, that you will show yourself strong and mighty. Show yourself a God of miracles and love for each and every one of them. Please, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this. We praise you for this. We are unworthy to receive this. We pray that you will place a deep, deep, deep spirit of love into each of our hearts 
that we fall in love with you every single day we wake up. That the word discouragement is removed from our vocabulary. That we have joy. And the reason that we have joy is because none of this matters. I mean, it does, but it doesn't really. In the grand scheme of all eternity, you've chosen our destiny. You saw us before we were born. Every day of our life was written in your book. You saw us before we were born. Didn't you? Didn't you? It was written in your book. What did we do? What did we say? What is the characteristic? What are the attributes about any of us? I mean, I, I don't understand it. But I will say this. I would much, much rather be in the situation that I'm in right now, and I think most of us would rather be where we are right now, as hard as, is, hard as it is, as exhausting as it is, as discouraging as it is, as disgusting as it is. Residing in the secret place of the Most High. Falling in love with you over and over again. Having true godly sorrow. Fill us with that love, Father God. Rearrange our priorities, we pray. Make us who we need to be. Make us your first fruits. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight is... got to squint my eyes here. Tonight is February the 16th of the year 2024. Lord, I'm sorry. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just that just kills me. Now you know Jesus. <laughs> you know Jesus. If somebody would have told me in 2012 <laughs> that I'd be sitting here in 2024, what do you think I would have said to him? <laughs> no, don't say it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I don't think any of us would have thought. Thought. I mean, it's like what did we do? Who are we? Why would we have been chosen? What is it about us? It's got to be something. What about all those people that lived in the 1900s, the 1800s? What about the Methodists in the 1600s? What about the settlers, that many of which who were had butchered? You know, I'm not going to get into the politics of it all. It's not irrelevant, but Father is just amazing. What if we lived in the 30s? We were churchgoers, but we had rotten, stinking hearts. We thought we were in like Flynn, but we weren't. Because we went to church. We didn't have any of the advantages that we have today. We didn't have computer systems that have the capability to study your Bible at three-dimensional chess levels. To be able to access 22 different translations within seconds and do parallel comparisons of your word, even in the Greek and the and the um, the Hebrew and uh, the only thing I don't have is the Aramaic, but 
don't have the time to dig into it anyway. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus, for people that do. Thank you, Father God, for showing us all the things that you showed us. We do not understand it. We don't. You know that we don't. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8, 2, and we embrace that with all of our heart. We know that we are unworthy for an, for. Our, our sin is always before us, and in sin our mothers conceived us. Wash us with your hyssop. Make us whiter than snow. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, create in us a clean heart. Let us be refreshed with an anointed understanding of how big the blessing is of this burden. How awesome it is that we can love you, be in love with you, Jesus, want to serve you, know what we know, and continue forward wondering why. Why are we here? And what an unbelievable advantage it is. What an unbelievable advantage it is that we were not born in the 30s, or we were not born in the 20s, that we were not part of churchianity then, and that we're not part of churchianity now. And if we are, and we are disciplined enough to keep our mouth shut, not upset anybody, not cause division amongst the brethren, and just, you know, abide in the presence of other believers, steering clear of the wrongful teachings, or the teachings that are that omit information that is crucial to the journey, which are equally as bad. Father, we thank you for the thousand milligram red pill. We thank you for the thousand milligram red pill. We thank you for it. It doesn't make it any easier, but we have one wonderful, wonderful advantage. We know. We might not understand, but we know. We really, really know. And we praise you for it. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Friday, February the 16th of 2024. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath or Shabbat candles, or whatever you want to call them, candles. I'm going to light three, one for the Father, Thank you, Jesus. One for the Son. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And one for the oft-forgotten God, our Holy Spirit. May we be like Angelico Zambrano and pull a chair out for you, Holy Spirit, to sit with us at our tables and hold our hands as we pray. And thank you, Father, for the nourishment that it would nourish our bodies. Father, as you know, our water supplies are poisoned. Our air supplies are poisoned. Our food supplies are poisoned. There's shedding going on, which I didn't originally believe in, but know now that it's real. There's stuff that's happening, but yet you have promised us that you would keep us pure, that nothing would hurt us. And it hasn't. Maybe there's some of us that it has, but Isaiah 57.1 is a powerful scripture, and we praise you for it. 
You know how many times, Father, I've asked you, <laughs> Isaiah 57, 1, me, the righteous perishes and no one takes it to heart, that merciful men are taken away, while no one considers the righteous is taken away from evil. Thank you, Father. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 116, verse 15. We praise you, Father God, and we thank you for this night. We thank you for tomorrow. We thank you for the next week. We thank you for the 1,000 milligram red pill. We thank you for helping us to understand how sick and twisted and abominably unacceptable the entire world has become. We thank you for helping us to understand that Israel and the United States of whatever this is, I call it Babylon the Great because it is, um, are the two most judged countries in the entire end times. Thank you, Father God, for helping us to understand who the Jews that are not Jews are. The Zelenskys, the Soroses. Looks pretty much like the Netanyahus, too. Thank you, Father God, for keeping us separated and holy from the wave of unfortunate understandings that exist out there. We know about the prophecies. We praise you for the prophecies. We know, Father God, just as Chuck Misler used to teach, that Jesus, that we are the bride of the bridegroom. But Father, Hosea um, 2, verse 19, 20 says, I will betroth thee, Israel. But it's not talking about the Jews that are not Jews. Boy, do they seem to be at the top of the headlines today. I'm about, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the 1,000 milligram red pill. May they never run out. May we always wonder why we were chosen for these days. May we always have a contrite spirit. And may we always beseech thee, our Father, Abba Father, dear Father, our dear Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. We don't get it. If I don't get it, I doubt anybody else does. <laughs> they might think they do. We're, why? For a time such as this? As Sister Terry Hill would say, for a due season? <laughs> Thank you, Father. We will probably never completely understand. We just praise your holy name. And we ask you to keep us, keep pulling us in closer to you. Keep pouring out your love upon our hearts that we will gush at every opportunity we have to put our heads down in our hands, confess of our sins, and know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness throughout every day that we have until our departure. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Father. Amen. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen 
Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav V'ratzavanu V'shabat Kodsho V'yavahu V'ratzon Hinchilanu Zikaron Lemase V'reshit Ki Hu Yom Techila Lemikra Kodesh Zechelitiat Mitzrayim Kivanu Vacharta Veotanu Kidashta Mikol Hamim Veshabat Kodshecha Be'ava Uvratzon Hinchaltanu Baruch Adonai Mekadesh we praise you, Father, and we thank you. We praise you, Father, and we thank you so, so much. Praise you, Father, and thank you so, so much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. I'm going to read a couple of prophecies before we move further in to praise and worship and some spiritual warfare, which is so important. And I've been led to pray for the Middle East today. It was kind of like the Lord told me to it this morning. I was praying for Europe, and I realized I skipped over the Middle East. And I was like, well, what? And then, you know, and then it was like the Lord was like, tonight, you pray for the Middle East. And um, I just praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to read a couple of prophecies just to kind of grease the rails. Thank you, Jesus. Um, one of these are from Sister Bonnie, who used to do Bond's blog from Australia, paralegal, retired. From 2013. One of them is from 2023. From I am calling you now. Blogspot.com. Again, I am I am calling you now. Blogspot.com. That's Julie Wedby. Um, it's amazing. But let's just go ahead and dive in. I've read them before, but you know. It's like the Bible. God's speaking. You, you can't get it right the first time. You get, We hear in part. We prophesy in part. We see through the mirror dimly, all that kind of thing. Lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little, praise God. This one's from April 20th of 2023. No, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to start with the older one from Bond's blog. It's from August the 11th of 2013. Imagine that. That's over 10 years ago. Wow. 
It's one of my favorites. I have several of her her uh, prophecies printed out in a folder. Several of them. It's amazing, too, because like I'm looking at one called, it's entitled, The Last Harvest Will Soon Be Reaped. <laughs> that That goes to show you how valuable the word soon is when you're trying to figure out whether or not you want to pay off your mortgage or not. <laughs> right? But anyway... <clears throat> August 11th of 2023, and the title was, And Then I Come for You. Daughter, take heart, for I know you are concerned about what is coming. This event, of which I have spoken, is a cataclysmic event that will affect all of mankind. But you, my bride, will be protected. But you will see many things that you would rather not. And all I can say is, thus far, a hearty amen to that. But I'm sure it's much worse. goes on to say, this is why I keep telling you to keep your focus on me, your Lord and Savior. My bride will be used in a mighty way to bring in the last harvest before I bring you all home to me. Now, this is referring clearly to the wheat harvest, because the final harvest, the last harvest, occurs during the day of the Lord for 40 days after the three days of darkness. The sun turns black as sackcloth of hair. It's in Revelation 6, verses 12 and 13. The sun turns black as sackcloth of hair. That is the three days of darkness. So when Jesus was saying it will be as in the days, I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, when he refers to Jonah, some people take it one way, some people take it another way. I know as a fact. Now, it might be multiple ways. Lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little, praise God. But the reference to Jonah, how long was Jonah in the belly of the whale? Three days. Was it dark in the belly of the whale? Or do you think he had a big old bright flashlight? Think he had a big lighter and some candles? It's a reference to the three days of darkness. But unless you understand that there's going to be a repeat of the three days of darkness, you don't get it. You'll think of everything else under the sun, but it won't be right. Or it might be marginally right. But the actual meaning of that is three days of darkness. It took a decade of the Lord giving me breadcrumbs, a decade, because I had to know the order of algebraic operations first before I could be taught trig. I had to understand what a, you know, what this shape and that shape, you have to do this first, then that, then that, then that. You can't build upon lines upon lines and precepts upon precepts if you haven't learned the first line. You get Then you go to the second line. Then you go to the next precept. Then you go to the next precept. You've got to climb it like you're climbing up a, a mountain. It's like the analogy that I've used talking about being in the uh, rainforest of South America. If we're really going to climb up to our Heavenly Father and see from His vantage point and break out of these clay bodies and become like Him, we're going to have to imagine 
a ladder that climbs up past the top of the canopy of the Amazon, the Brazilian Amazon forest, the rainforest, where the canopy's 200 feet up. I'm assuming there is such a place because I have never been there. I've always wanted to go there. But my point is this. If you stop climbing on that ladder, see, because you're, imagine yourself at the bottom of that rainforest. What do you see? Look around. What do you hear? Do you hear crickets? Strange birds? What, what, what do you hear? What do you see? Does the sun ever really shine? When you look up at the top of the canopy, can you see a little peaking, little tiny hint of sunshine? What's up there that you can't see? Are you even looking up at all? Imagine a ladder, a golden ladder. And that ladder just went supernaturally up to the top of the canopy. You actually took your eyes off of all the strange animals and funky monkeys and all that kind of stuff making strange sounds. You stop focusing on the Uga Chaga tribe that wants to eat you for lunch. And you look at the golden ladder and you say, I'm going to climb that ladder. Because I want to get up there high. I want to be with our Father. But what happens is people, the, the sheep of our Lord Jesus Christ of today, our fellow brothers and sisters, we get stuck on the rungs. Maybe in our journey up that ladder, we go into a church. And for the first time in our entire Christian walk. We enter into a church building that has the presence of the Holy Spirit, perhaps not like it did back in the charismatic movement in the 70s, where it was just, you know, the roof was being raised, almost like Azusa Street. But we feel it. And we're brought in by it. We're taken by it. And we want to be a part of it. We don't want to leave it because it's the first time in our entire walk we have ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. We hear people speaking in strange languages. We see people going out in the Spirit. We know that God is here and we don't want to leave that place. And then our feet get stuck. We're on that ladder. And that's as far as we go. We don't go any higher. Even though that ladder goes through the roof of that church, all the way up to the tippity-tippity-top of the canopy, hundreds of feet up, that there's sun that you can see up there that's brighter, more glorious than what you felt in that church. You make a choice to sit down on the pew. You show up every Sunday. You hear the message. They never tell you about Satan. They never tell you that you have to forgive every single person who has done you wrong or you will be cast into hell. They never tell you. You never got the word. There was a, a lady who was brought on Sid Broth. That's it, uh, it's supernatural. Her testimony was about Christians in hell. When she came out of hell during her near-death experience. That's what they call it. It's really death experience. 
She quit smoking immediately. So the Lord had blessed her with completely removing all desire for tobacco. That's a blessing there, let me tell you. Not to have to go through the whole patch thing. But that was one thing. But then she testified and told everybody how many Christians were in hell, burning. Anyone who's listening to this program right now who has not gone on YouTube and found Bill Weiss, 23 minutes in hell. As a matter of fact, you can just go to YouTube. I can't even listen to it anymore. I, got, I listened to it one time. It's, let me tell you something. Every single Christian on the face of this earth must hear it. And if you haven't, you are in danger. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm fine with the Lord. Oh, you are, are you? There's a reason why the most trustworthy testimonies of people being taken to heaven include a trip to hell. Angelica Zambrano was told by the angel of the Lord. Here's a little 14, 15-year-old girl from the Honduras that prayed, 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 prayed that the Lord would let her see heaven. That's all she wanted. That's all she wanted was to see heaven. And one day a man showed up at the front door of her little house in the Honduras. How you know that I how do I know that it's a little house? Because I've been there. <laughs> you know, I've been there, trust me. It's bad. It's real, real bad. You know, the people that are going through Darien Gap right now to come up through the southern border come out of why do you think that the United States was behind the crashing, the destruction of Hugo Chavez? Um, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why do you think we, we crashed the, the Venezuelan um, economy? To make it so bad that they all want to come up here. We did it on purpose. It was all part of the master plan. It's been in, that whole plan's been in play for two or three hundred years. All the way back to Sir Francis Bacon, the Rosicrucian who wrote the New Atlantis. They've been planning all this stuff for a long time. When a mom can't feed her three little kids, and there are gangs roaming the streets and murdering people, and all they hear is gunshots and screams all night long, the kids haven't eaten in weeks because of what the United States CIA did to them? Babylon? Babylon the Great. And they're willing to risk their lives for the hope of feeding their kids and not having to duck bullets every week. It's very real to them. It's a horrible, horrible way to live. I realize the situation is horrible. I realize what's happening. I understand exactly what they're doing. I think that you do too. Praise the Lord. It is part of our burden to carry. None of this is good. Neither are the estimated 2 million military-aged Chinese men that, oh, by the way, they don't have to go across Darien Gap, which for many is a death sentence or a guaranteed rape. while their children are hiding just so they can have a bowl of porridge 
while millions of Chinese military personnel are being dropped off. When I recorded that audio bite of Biden when the Texas border skirmish was occurring. Um, here, let me just go ahead. Just so you can see what I'm talking about. And then I'm going to get back to reading these prophecies. We'll move forward. Praise God, I promise. But listen to this. I amplified this. I actually took the live mic audio bite that nobody could hear on the Internet. They could barely hear what he was saying. They, what they heard was the F-15 part, but they didn't hear the part in the beginning. This is what he. This is what Biden got on the live mic. What what people heard. What I did was I took the bite, put it into my editor. I cut out the little piece where Biden babbled his dribbling feces, and then um, I amplified it in special equipment. With you know, I have stuff, and I amplified it. Up 100%, up 100%, up 100%, up 100%. Then I saved it out. And it's actually on my cell phone right now. Listen to what he says. You can hear in the beginning. I Hopefully you'll be able to hear this. I hope that you can. I'm going to play it into the mic. Let's see if you can hear it. Make sure those cowboys don't stop the surge of military-age men from enemies. Okay, now I'm going to tell you what he said, and then I'm going to play it again. We got to make sure those cowboys don't stop the insurging the insurging of military aged men. Let's hear it again. To make sure those cowboys don't stop the surge of military aged men from entering. Let's make sure those cowboys don't stop the um, insurgence of military aged men. Okay, that's what he said. Now, he brought up that you know we got to send that. that 15s down there or whatever, then we'll do it. This is all part of the Antichrist plan. Obama is behind this, 100%. He's orchestrating it. He is the chosen Antichrist. Chosen by Satan. One of the most wealthy men, men in the world, believe it or not. Billions. See, nobody would know that that was part of his net worth, but he was chosen. Billions. He could buy Soros and his family 15 times over and still have trillions left, probably. I don't know, but the, the word has leaked out. He's busted, but it isn't going to mean a hill of beans because you know why? He's in the Bible, and we're there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So the plan of sending military-aged men from China, see, we know that they're not going to do anything about Taiwan. They're just going to give Taiwan to China. You know why? Because all these reptilian entities that are running Babylon the Great, which has frozen to utter impotency the entire government of this country, if you can even call it a country anymore. It, it's, it's already a game over situation, but people don't realize it. And you know what? It's okay with me because I just want to go home. I forget who it was. I think it was uh, Brother Jeremy. I refer to him as West Coast Walter. We were having a conversation. He lives out in Portland. Portland. It's... it's 
petrified city of all things World Economic Forum and 15-Minute City. It's absolutely disgusting, filthy, filthy place. And there's real good reason a Cascadia subduction zone mega tsunami is going to occur out in the Pacific Northwest. It's going to break off into the ocean. And Bill Gates, I pray in the name of Jesus, is right there when it happens. In the name of Jesus. We know what their plan is. But people get stuck on that golden ladder. Maybe they go higher. They get into a group of believers on YouTube and suddenly they believe in Hebrew roots. Or maybe they're not saved if they don't know the name of our Heavenly Father or they can't pronounce the name of Jesus. And if they dare to say the name of Jesus, then they're somehow in sin even though the greatest divine healers in the history of the world healed in the name of Jesus. Oh, never mind that. It has to be Yahuwahuahasha. I'm like, come on. I would rather believe Mel Gibson and his, uh, uh, I forget what they call the people that do the movies and go and do the homework, Yashu, Yashu. Yeshu, Yeshu. It's basically a form of Joshua type of thing. But anyway, Smith Wigglesworth, name of Jesus. A.A. A. Allen, name of Jesus. Lester Summerall, name of Jesus. Every single one, the greatest divine healers that have ever lived, people blind from birth, can see again. Parkinson's disease, gone. Hands growing out. Unbelievable things. Deaf children can hear again. If you can find some of the old black and white movies of A.A. A. Allen, if you can find, and you ought to be able to find, it's still out on YouTube, David Hogan, Faith to Raise the Dead. I'm going to say that again, nice and slow. David Hogan, David Hogan, and the title of it is Faith to Raise the Dead. He, when, he, when he was, uh, he went up to a, a church, a spirit-filled, tongue-speaking church in Pen Pensacola, Florida. Spent like five days there and gave the most amazing testimony that I've ever heard in my life. I've read... Biographies on Wigglesworth. I've read Summerall's biography. I've read tons of this stuff. David Hogan, Faith the Raise of the Dead, will blow your mind. It will change your world. The entire John G. Lakes ministry that's, being, that's led by the general overseer who refers to himself as Curry Blake, who I've studied under for... <laughs> I don't even know if he even made a DVD that I didn't buy. But anyway... Um, That all was the whole reason why John G. Lake's ministries that exist today um, exist at all was because Curry Blake got a hold of the DVD. I don't know where from. I don't even know if he tells it in his testimony where he got it from. But he stuck it in his DVD player in his living room and he watched it and he was in such awe. And he said, that is me. I have to, that's the life I want to live. That is who I want to become. And he literally went out and did it. 
and it turned into a full-blown ministry. And he has traveled the world, and he has raised people from the dead. Absolutely. But the David Hogan testimony is astonishing. One Mexican village that they went into, he worked, um, his, his ministry team worked in the jungles of southern uh, Mexico. And they went into places that nobody else would go or could go. And he runs across this one village where I'm not even going to tell you the best stuff. This is just one story. And they, they, they go, Brother Hogan, Brother Hogan, please come this way. Please, please. And he goes, okay, and he gets out of the Jeep or whatever and um, goes inside this building, this hut. And there's a man over in the corner, and he smells this horrible smell, horrible smell. And the man is near death, leprosy. When a, when a person's body has decayed to the point of almost the heart stopping to beat from leprosy, not only does it smell like death, because it is death, rotting flesh, but the entire person's body is like jelly. Now, David knew that he, had the, he, he needed to lay hands on the man. He also knew that he had leprosy, and you don't want to touch that. And he didn't care. He said, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he took his hand and he pressed it into the man's body, and his hand went right in through the flesh. And he said, I command you to be healed. Be healed. Rise up. And he took his hands out of the flesh, cleaned them off, probably with some warm soapy water. I don't know. I don't remember. I haven't heard it in over 12 years or 11 years, but... Nothing happened. Everybody's standing around. Nothing happened. The jelly body was still laying there near death. David Hogan and his party preached the gospel, touched many people, and they left. Now, they went to other parts of Mexico and the jungle and stuff and preached to others. Uh, they did a lot of wonderful things. Well, the following year, they went back to that same village the following year. And when they got out of their Jeeps, a young man came running up to the Jeep and said, Brother Hogan, Brother Hogan, remember me? And David Hogan said, I have no idea who you are. And the man said, You prayed for me, Brother Hogan. I was the man who was laying inside that hut. Oh, there's many more, far more powerful testimonies and stories. I was so moved by that testimony, I wrote him. This is back when I was still married. When my wife thought I was crazy. <laughs> now we're divorced and she's realizes that I wasn't crazy after all. And <laughs> we talk every day. But anyway, <clears throat> anyway, I wrote him. And you know what he said to me? He said, come on down, Brother John. We can use you. And I 
tears started flowing out of my eyes like someone had poured a bucket of water over the top of my head because I realized I was trapped. And all I wanted to do was go down there with David Hogan and serve God and be around all those miracles, be a part of that power. And I knew it, I couldn't. I was stuck. And it wouldn't have been a fulfillment of the prophecy that whatever. But anyway, praise God. So when you don't get stuck, when you don't let yourself get stuck on one of the rungs of the ladder, when you don't let yourself get stuck on the seven mountains mandate rung, and you keep on walking up that ladder, that golden ladder, you keep going. You don't let yourself stop. You don't get involved with a YouTube group, a Bible study team, whatever the case is. It, you don't do it. It's a, it's a trap. And then, but so many people, we're sheep, we're sheep. That's what we are. We love things that make us feel good. And so what we do is we allow the fly, the, the fly paper on the rung of the ladder, that golden ladder, to stick to our sneakers and we can't go up any higher because we think we've arrived. We're now with that wonderful Bible study team that knows the name of Jesus. So we've arrived. Why should we walk any higher? And then there's those who will never be satisfied that are going to the top of that ladder. They're going to walk all the way up every golden rung until they go past the canopy. They break past the canopy. The golden ladder continues to go up into the clouds. They continue to walk up higher, higher, higher. They don't get stuck on anything because there's nothing left to get stuck on. They've learned their lessons, and they walk higher and higher and higher. Praise God. And suddenly, what do they see? They see the Pacific Ocean on the other side of Peru and Chile. They see the glory of God. They see, they may not fully understand, but they can see where they're going and how awesome it is. Because they're not trapped. They're not stuck on a rung. And they're never going to be okay with where they are. They want more and more and more of God. And that's where we all need to shoot. That's where we all need to point ourselves at. We all need to keep on climbing up that golden ladder. Because until you break away from whatever flypaper step that you got stuck on and continue to seek God beyond. You walk up that ladder. You see God. You see the light. You see the glory. You see the sun. And nothing will stop you from going higher. And that's where we all need to be. Praise God. So anyway, get yourself a copy of David Hogan, Faith to Raise the Dead, and watch every bit of it. I recommended watching it twice, by the way. 
It will blow your mind and change everything. Your perspective will completely change. And if it doesn't, well, I feel bad. All right. I don't feel bad for me, though. I just feel bad that I couldn't go down and join him because, boy, oh, boy, when I got that letter back from him, I was flipping out. I wanted to go right away. I cried and cried, praise God. So anyway, this I'm going on with, and then I will come from you, from Bond's blog, from 2013. You, my bride, will be protected, but you will see many things you would rather not. This is why I keep telling you to keep your focus on me, your Lord and Savior. My bride will be used in a mighty way to bring in the, now here's key words, last harvest. That's the wheat harvest during the day of the Lord. Revelation 6, 12 through 17. Okay? And I, then I will bring you all home to me. That is after the 40 days, the 40 days after the three days of darkness. Which, by the way, is spoken of in Isaiah 60, verses 1, 2, and 3. Okay? Where it says... Um, and I don't have it, um, I'm trying to bring it up, but I had to reboot, right? I, ha- I was having a computer problem right before the show started. But, um, uh, oh, came up, praise the Lord. So let me go ahead and bring this up for you, because it's powerful. So that's captured in the prophecy of Isaiah 60, starting with verse 1. Arise and shine, for your light, that's glory light, by the way, your light, because we're light beings. We're light beings of love and light. That's what we are. Love and light. That's cool stuff. That's really super cool stuff. Arise and shine with the glory light. For your glory light has come. And, the, and it even says, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Wow. Remember Loveness Nankamba, how she would come on the radio show? Remember that? Some of you do. Loveness. we got to get, try to get her back on. I don't know where she is. But she had actually uh, started to transform and uh, was glowing with the glory light of the Lord. And her husband comes home from work and sees her, and he flips out and runs for it. Which, by the way, is going to happen during that 40 days. After the three days of darkness, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to hide in her chambers for a little while until the indignation has passed, which is in Isaiah 26, verse 20, where it says, you know, it says, um, go into your chambers. What kind of a chamber might that be? It's a bridal chamber. It means to go into your dwelling place. Okay? And you stay there until the indignation has passed. What indignation? The indignation that's talked about in Isaiah 13. It's an alien invasion, believe it or not. It is. I've done entire shows on the three days of darkness. It's exciting. All right? But it's exciting for us. Okay? Not for the people that are going through the judgment. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. See, now that's literal. A lot of people think that's a metaphor, and they misinterpret the meaning of the scripture. That is literal. It's talking about the three days of darkness. For behold, the three days... I would, this, this, personally, I think this should be... This would be the Johnny Baptist translation of this scripture. Arise and shine, for your glory light has come, and you have started to transform into, the, into being like Jesus. A light being of light and love. After the three days of darkness, you have left... 
your chamber, and the indignation has passed. For behold, the three days of darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. They're going to be bummed out, they're going to be sad, and they're going to be getting slaughtered. That's all in Isaiah 13. And then it goes on, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen on you, because you're transforming, like loveness did. Okay? And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. And as it says in Matthew 22, when the king sends out the other servants, not the first fruits, the first fruits had already done their job, and people went back to their jobs, said, Ah, oh, bah, humbug, Jesus isn't coming back. All the prophets that I listen to, they say that Jesus is going to first come back and take over uh, the educational system, the government system, the Hollywood system, you know, the uh, all, like seven mountains. So they basically go, bah, humbug, and they walk away. But then the king sends out other servants. Those are the final harvest people. They're the ones who are going to be in their chambers till the indignation has passed. And they're going to come out with a glory light. They're going to be transformed. And people, some people will run to them. And as it says in Matthew 22, it says, and they will bring, it says the good and the bad will run to them. The good and the bad will run to them. And there will be guests at the wedding. Get it? So the final harvest after the three days of darkness is where the guests at the wedding supper are. It's where they came from. It says it right there in Matthew 22. It's like reading a newspaper. All right, so anyway, um, this prophecy goes on and says, So many of you are anxious concerning, now remember this is over 10 years old, concerning and want to know when, when, when this event will come. But my children, you have taken your eyes off of me your Lord and Savior and your provider, for I am to be your first love. This is, this is residing in the secret place of the Most High. We want to be in the presence of Jesus. I am to be your first love, and your trust must be entirely in me to provide for you and to protect you no matter what happens. Yes, I have said, I will give you warning, so fear not. This will be done on earth as it is. Oh, it says, uh, this event has been planned since the creation of time. Nothing will prevent my will from being done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so that's the introductory paragraph. Then it goes on and gets into the real, gets deeper. It says, remember, this is Jesus talking, remember that I told you that there would be a short span of darkness that you will need to walk through before I come for my bride. And there will be a time when it may appear that I have forsaken you. But nothing could be further from the truth. No matter what happens, no matter how you feel, I have not forsaken you and will never forsake you. It will be at this time that you must strengthen your faith in my word, the Bible, and in my personal words spoken to you. Just because you may not be able to feel me for a short span, know that I am with you regardless of your feelings, and I will bring you through it. Okay, guess what? It's where we are now. 
We're in that, and it's going to get worse. And then it goes on, there is so much coming, my daughter, that I have told you. Know that when things begin to happen, they will come in quick succession, and there will be hardly any time to catch your breath between these events. Know that my time has come for my wrath to be poured out upon the earth because of the vileness of her sins. Do we Are we taking the red pill? Do we see it? Do we see it? My wrath, then it says, but you, my precious bride, will be protected. Remember, too, I have told you, I have work for you to do. My Holy Spirit will infuse you, and you will go out and bring in the great last harvest. And then I will come for you, my precious children, my beautiful bride, and then I will come for you. Now, what I wonder when I read this, every time I read it, I get another lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little revelation. I wonder if the Lord essentially concatenated the barley harvest, harvest, the first group that was sent out in Matthew 22, with the wheat harvest, which is the group that brings in the, the, they call that the final harvest. Because then the wrath occurs, Revelation 6.17, for the day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. So that marks the beginning of the wrath or the great tribulation. And then you got the Revelation 13 beast government rising up and all the, you know, mark of the beast stuff and, you know, the locusts flying out of the sky. Yes, it's the sky because of the smoke rose up into the sky and out of the smoke came the locusts. Well, the smoke is in the sky. The locusts came from outer space. And anyway, so it's just amazing. And I don't want to be here for that. Take the mission, John. Take the mission, listener. Take the mission. Because I thought to myself, you know, to me, it's not really all that important who the 144,000 is, who the two witnesses are. I know it's not two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv with an Abrams A1 tank shooting at them for three and a half years with them doing fire beating tricks for three and a half years. That's ridiculous. The fire is a metaphor for the holy fire of God. It is a weapon that we use to help the people that were cast into the great tribulation. That's the mission. And I want to be a part of it. But first, see, why in the world would our Heavenly Father make the 144,000 and the two witnesses not part of the bride, not at the wedding supper? There's no possible way that that would happen. So what must be, what must be true? I'll tell you. It's simple. The 144,000 and the two witnesses are going to be raptured up to the wedding supper, and then they're going to take the mission, and they're going to be sent back down to help the tribulation saints, the grape harvest, the people that have the seal of God on their forehead and, are, and the locusts are not allowed to sting them, the foolish virgins. There's a reason why our Heavenly Father called them foolish. They're going to go through hell like no Christian has ever gone through hell on earth. I mean, praise God. All right, so... One thing leads to another. I did want to share that with you, and I'm going to read one more prophecy, and then we're going to go into prayer. We're going to take communion, and then we're going to go into prayer for the people of the Middle East. Praise God. And we're going to do some spiritual warfare, too. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, this one is from April 20th from uh, Julie Wedby at IamCallingYouNow.blogspot.com. 
There's another one that she just came out with on December the 31st, or that the Lord spoke to her on December the 31st of 2023. It's entitled The Illusion in the Matrix. That's another, it's an important one too. I recommend that you consider reading that one as well. I'm going to read this one to you. This is amazing. She says, I was praying and crying out to Yahshua, uh, and like each day asking him when, how much longer will it be permitted to continue like this before he transforms his remnant? Then a scene in the spirit opened up to me, and I saw a magnificently decorated wedding scene with colors and flowers that cannot be described in earthly terms. I saw many, many souls, along with angels, busily continuing to prepare things, and a huge table was set with the finest tableware. Jesus pointed to, I'm going to use the word Jesus, she likes Joshua, whatever, um, pointed to the seat and told me each one was specifically held for one of us. His bride and our names were there as part of the place settings. How cool is that? How cool is that? Um, when Angelica Zambrano, after she took her mandatory tour of hell, and she cried because a man came to her door at her little house in the Honduras, sent by God. After she prayed and 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 prayed, please let take me to heaven. Please, 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 Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, 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 Lord. He, she begged God to let her see heaven. And several days later, out of the clear blue, knock at the door. You know, and um, she opens the door, and there's a man. She didn't recognize him. She's a 15 year old girl. And the man looks at her and says. I was sent to you from the Lord. Tomorrow, I don't remember the exact timing, but I'm just doing this the best I can from memory. Tomorrow, you are going to die. And when you die, you are going to be taken to hell, and then you are going to be taken to hell. I don't know if he told her that. He just told her that tomorrow you're going to die. And that I guess an angel is going to come for you or something like that. And so she, she, you know, of course, was like blown away. And sure enough, I'm sure she told her mom and her family and all that kind of stuff about this strange man that came to the door. And sure enough, there she was in her living room and fell over, dropped dead right there in front of everybody. And an angel of the Lord came along, grabbed her in her spirit body and said, we have to go to hell. And she started to cry and scream. She said, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. She didn't want to go. She was horrified. And the angel told her, if you want to see heaven, you're going to have to go to hell first. Now, you need to listen to her testimony. It's on YouTube. If you haven't heard it, David Hogan, Faith to Raise the Dead, and Angelica Zambrano, prepare to meet your God. Both of them are must-listens. All right, now... That when Angelica was taken, finally taken to heaven, she was flying with the, with, with the angel that was giving her the tour over heaven. And she was looking down at the, all the mansions that were being built, and it was blowing her away. She was just blown away, blown away, blown away. And she said to the angel, why are some of the of the mansions, why are the angels just standing there? They're not, they're not doing anything. They're just standing there. There's a couple of them there. And the angel said, 
Well, because the person that the mansion was being built for has backslidden. So the angels stopped building their mansion. If that don't send a chill down your spine, I don't know what will. That's a powerful testimony. And when she when she came back, she went on tour worldwide and spoke at stadiums with like eighty thousand people in them to give her testimony. <laughs> God is incredible. So anyway, um, so then she hears Julie hears in this particular testimony. Um, oh, my daughter, my bride, there is so much joyous celebration in my kingdom as the feast preparations are being completed. Many who have gone before you are rejoicing continuously as they are eager to meet you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not laughing. Um, as they are eager to meet you as you arrive, the final touches are being made. And you have so much to look forward to. There will be dancing. There will be singing. There will be great rejoicing as you come together at this spectacular appointed time. You cannot imagine the detail, that intricacy that has gone into every aspect of the preparations and the decorations for you because of my love for you. The beauty of what I have made for you will astound you. Nothing here on earth can compare to the brilliance and the magnificence of my rewards for your obedience. Look up. Do not be discouraged. All is in place now. All is in place now and readied for this great day. Oh, what is that I hear? Wedding bells? Jesus. Yahshua. Then she says, end of the message. Shortly thereafter, she had received another one. It says, My beloved, the darkest part of the night approaches quickly. I am the only shelter in the midst of the storm. What storm is that? It's the one that we see around us because we took the red pill. For those who do not know me, this will be the darkest. The darkness like no other, a palpable darkness. But for you, my faithful ones, the darkest part of the night means the morning star will rise and you will be shown the rewards of your obedience. With judgment, now comes deliverance for my faithful ones. Meditate upon this. See, this is why I really struggle it doesn't matter how much I love and understand and how deep of friends I am with any believer. When they struggle, see, I see the darkness as glory. Here, you know, right here, the darkest part of the night, which we're in, well, we're approaching very rapidly right now, means the morning star that's a reference to Jesus, will arise and you will be shown the rewards of your obedience. That's Jesus coming for us. 
With judgment now comes deliverance. My faithful ones, meditate on this. Are you one of Jesus' faithful ones? Look, if you're listening to this show, you are. You might have some things you've got to fix. Don't we all? Work on it. Start out with falling in love with your Father. And fearing hell by listening to, you know, Bill Weiss, 23 Minutes in Hell. Everyone has to listen at least once. The Holy Spirit current doesn't flow if the black terminal of the battery is not connected. Nothing is more motivational than that. If you're smoking cigarettes and you say, I can't quit, I just can't quit, I, I just can't, I just can't, I can't, quit. I just can't, I can't do, I can't. Listen to Bill Weiss, 23 Minutes in Hell. And try not to leave too much of a large, try not to peel out like a, you know, Daytona race car while you're driving 20 miles an hour over the speed limit on your way to Walmart to get a nicotine patch. (laughs) Okay? You watch, you listen to 23 Minutes in Hell with Bill Weiss, and you're smoking right now, I guarantee you two weeks later you will not be smoking. There is nothing more motivational than the negative terminal of the battery. And that's why our Heavenly Father does that. He knows it. People will say, well, positive reinforcement works better than negative reinforcement. Wait a minute. This is so serious that our Heavenly Father designed all of creation to have negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. When you have both, It's the best of the best. And God, our Father, loves us so much that he is bound and determined that you are not going to miss. You've come this far. You're already past the top of the Amazon canopy. You can see the Pacific Ocean and you can see the sun. Nothing, but nothing except yourself can stop you now. Fall in love with our Father. Beg Him to help you. Charles and Francis Hunter, in the beginning of their book, How to Heal the Sick, I met them in person. They admit in the beginning of their book that they had laid hands. They both decided they wanted to heal people in the name of Jesus. They just made up their mind. That's what we're going to do. And they said, I do believe the book quote um, says something to the effect of, we laid hand on, hands on, together, we laid hands on something like 10,000 people and never saw a miracle. Not a one. But they kept doing it. The other thing that they admitted was this, but everything changed because they were so determined. They wouldn't take no for an answer. They also knew that they didn't love the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, and soul. They knew it. So the Lord had imparted upon their heart that 
there was life and death in the power of the tongue. That's why it says, confess of your sins. And the, our Heavenly Father is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we confess, because there's power in the confession, your tongue must speak it, speak it, speak it. Father, look what I have done. I am so sorry. I'm sorry. I really am. Help me. Help me. And they knew about that, and they, together, that husband and wife team, Charles and Francis Hunter, they said in, in the beginning of their book, they said that the Lord had impressed upon their heart that they needed to say, I love you, Father. I love you, Father. Every day, all day long. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. They'd wake up in the morning. I love you, Father. They'd walk around together. I love you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. We are in love with you, Father. We want to be with you, Father. We love you. And they said it over and 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 over again. And guess what? They fell head over heels in love with our Father. There really is power. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, even while you're being chased down the street by a reptilian. I had to throw that in there, by the way. Feels like, feels like it sometimes when you're realizing how much of this stuff is going on out there. It's just unbelievable. But anyway. My beloved, the darkest part of the night approaches quickly, and I am the only shoulder in the midst of the storm, which we're heading into. For those who don't know me, this will be a darkness like no other, a palpable darkness. But you, my faithful ones, the darkest part of the night means the morning star, Jesus, will arise, and you will be shown the rewards of your obedience. With judgment now comes deliverance for my faithful ones. Meditate upon this. As you reflect on past relationships, situations, and challenges, you see how I have shaken and shifted, refined and molded along the way. Oh, man. It, it, this, when I read this the first time, I just about lost it because I was like, it, 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 it it wasn't that it just it spoke to me. It was like it was like Jesus talking to me. As you reflect on past relationships, situations, and challenges, reflect back on my entire life, you see how I have shaken, shifted, refined, and molded along the way. Oh, boy. For sure. Opportunities for choices to follow me have always been available for my creation. And now comes the time for those who have made the choice for righteousness to enter into their rewards. Many others will still have a very short time of opportunity to choose me, but the experience will be a much more Difficult one, as has been foretold. Okay, so what you've just heard was Jesus speaking through Julie and talking to the barley harvest. 
who are going who are part of the omer the omers the counting of the omer an omer is a sheaf of barley there's a counting of the armor omers and and that occurs at shavuot shavuot is representative of a wedding that's the wedding for the first fruits that's the wedding for the barley harvest that's the wedding for the first watch I know, I'm eating up all the time. I can't help it. I'm excited about this. How can you not be excited about this? I need to be excited about this. I had a hard week. I had a worse week last week. I got through it. It was a miracle. And then I prayed because my boss wanted to throw two gigantic jobs at me at the same time and expected me to do both of them. And then he's telling me, speaking with a fork dung, he's saying on one side of his mouth, he's going, oh, you have to do a great job. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to have to like work really, really, really fast. And, and you know, and, and, and I'm like looking at it and I'm going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And this is, a, this is one of the partners of the company. I'm going to be working directly for him. With this billion gig, billion dollar gigantamundus company, uh, com- company, and and, and then my, my boss is like telling me, oh, and by the way, this other company is going to come along. You're going to have to take care of them too. So you're going to have to do both companies at the same time. Well, then we had a meeting with them today, the 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 first company, and the partner of the and all that, and I had a conversation with my boss because you know what, I was on my knees this morning in prayer, in the dark for 45 minutes, praying for you, praying for the lost, praying for me, praying for everybody that I I always pray for. And using spiritual warfare, the whole thing, I I do it all the time. It's it's continuous with me. I take... I, I like to get bottles of... I don't... I'm not, not allowed... I'm on a special diet now and I can't have any wine. You know, I mean, I could have a little bit for sacrament sake, but... You know, just a sip, but I can't like drink a glass of wine because it will mess with my current diet. I had to wait until I got past the stupid thing, and you know, that I was forced to go and do last week or whatever. I had to, I had to get past that. I had to get past Christmas. I had to get past Thanksgiving. Just the way the days fell, it was it was doggoning my effort to get this weight off and get everything back to the way I need to be so that I can serve the Lord with a good attitude and all kinds of things. Okay, and that, that was very important to me, but I had to get all this stuff behind me. But now I'm being thrown into the, in, in, you know, I'm like Shadrach, Meshach, Nabed, Abednego, and Johnny Baptist, and we're all getting shoved into the oven. And I'm like going, oh, man, what a way to come off, you know, uh, you know uh, four days and all this other. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I got on one of the things I prayed in tears for, in the dark, this morning, you know, with my messed up knee, on my special pillows, I was I anointed with oil, not once, but twice. Okay, I, the the, uh, the uh, Exodus oil blend, okay, which I use to anoint the vessels in the water, which I, when I take communion and I lift the, you know, cup, golden cup of forgiveness up and pray for people, the lost, like I do on the show, all right? And I do that in the morning, you know, every time. And then, um, you know, and I do my spiritual warfare thing, and I pray for purification, I go through all of that. And then I, I really leaned into the Lord, and I said, Father, please, please, Father, make it so I don't have to do the, both of those companies at the same time. Please. Well, guess what? 
Lord answered the prayer today. The other company doesn't come into play until April. How about that? So as long as I kick butt, take names, drink a lot of coffee, <laughs> and get the other company, the other Gigantamundus company, I can't name the names of these companies. I can't. But they're huge. They're really huge. The, the, in the world of what I do for a living, if you know, the bigger the company, the more dorked up they are. The bigger the company, the more dorked up and vulnerable they are because they were big. See, when I'm not going to get into that, but anyway, so let's, so, so what you have heard, my beloved, the darkest part of the night approaches quickly in a very short time of opportunity to choose me, but the ex, but the experience will be much more difficult. What be a much more difficult one as has been foretold. Okay. So we know that the first part that I just read to you, was for the barley harvest, going to the Shavuot wedding, the first fruits, the first watch, Luke 12, 35, 36, 37. It's right there. Luke 12, 35. The faithful servant and evil servant. That's the uh, subtitle from the New King James. It is the dumbest subtitle ever. Most of the subtitles in the New King James are pretty darn good. That one's the dumbest one ever. <sighs> I know why it's there, because there's a warning in the latter part of it that says, look, if you get bummed out, so you got to watch this here. It says basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically what it says is it says, if you get bummed out and depressed because you feel like Jesus isn't coming fast enough for you, and you start getting drunk, and you start treating people poopily and all this kind of stuff, I'm going to show up when you least expect it, and you're going to be cut in half and end up in hell. That's basically what this is talking about. It says, truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over, it says, but, but if that servant in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and he begins to beat, uh, uh, beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in two, and appoint him with a portion of the unbelievers. Point him. So you my fellow brothers and sisters, as you slip into despair, as I have so many times, and can speak authoritatively on the subject quite well, as you fall into a state of despair, feeling sorry for yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you, this ain't a .08 drunk here, Okay. And it's talking about, you know, drunk, really hammered, and treating people badly, and just being, you know, this is bad. And we're all eligible to be, you know, this person. We all can slip into a state of depression. We all can get bummed out. We all can feel sorry for ourselves. It is a very dangerous, very, very, right now? I mean, my goodness, look around you. 
World War III is just about to start. There was a country singer. Somebody had sent it to me. I wish I could play it for you right now. I would love to play it for you. I wonder if I'd get in trouble if I did. It's just a little snippet. It's, ah, it's a violation of copyright. I can't do it. I'd be knowingly breaking the copyright. Dagnabbit. Ugh. Anyway, it's a country singer, and he's, he's singing, you know, he's like basically singing, you know. We know that World War III is about to come, and I don't really feel like anybody else is praying, so I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm going to pray to you, Lord, please bring us home. Please let us come home. Those were the words that the country music singer sang. And then in Luke twelve forty seven it says in the servant it says um, the servant who knew his master's will, so you know what Jesus's will is, right? Well, surely, sure you do. So the servant that knew his master's will but did not prepare himself and do according to his will, go to go to Walgreens, get this, get the, listen to twenty three twenty three minutes of hell with Bill Weiss, and try not to peel out of your driveway on the way to Walgreens. <laughs> You're going to quit smoking really, really fast. But believe me, me, believe you, me, for sure. That servant who knew his master's will but did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Bad things are going to happen to you. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. So if you knew better and you did it anyway. That's really, really bad. For everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And to him much has been committed, of him they will ask all the more. Listen to that. For everyone to whom much is given, uh, that would be the 1,000 milligram red pill, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him or her, they will ask all the more. Wow. Wow. That's harsh. But you go back up to verse 35, and it starts out, it says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. That is a direct reference to the wise virgins in Matthew 25. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat. What? At the wedding supper. And will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, that's the wheat harvest, that's the final harvest, or come in the third watch, that's the grape harvest, Revelation 14, those are the tribulation saints, and find them so, watching for Jesus, blessed are those servants. But know this, the master of the house had known what hour the thief was going to come. He would have watched. He would have watched. He would have watched. Take another thousand milligram red pill. That's what I do. Because the Julie Wedby prophecy goes on and it says, After my first fruits, so what do we know about the first thing that I just read? My beloved, the darkest part of the night approaches. I, 
I am the only shelter in the midst of the storm. For those who do not know me, this will be a darkness like no other, a palpable darkness. But for you, my faithful ones, the darkest part of the night means the morning star, Jesus, will arise and you will be shown the rewards of your obedience. With judgment comes, comes deliverance, my faithful ones. Meditate upon this. As you, ju- as you reflect on past relationships, situations, challenges, and see how I have shaken and shifted and refined and molded along the way, opportunities for choices to follow me have always been available for my creation. And now comes the time for those who made the choices for righteousness to enter into their reward. Many others will still have a very short time of opportunity to choose me, but the experience will be a much more difficult one that has been foretold. Okay? So this is addressing the first watch. This is addressing the first fruits. This is addressing the barley harvest. This is addressing the first group of servants in Matthew 22 that were sent out before the other servants were sent out. And then it goes on to say, it says, after my first fruits... Oh, well, what do you know? Right in your face. After my barley harvest is taken up to the wedding supper. That's what this means. Many of the hardest of hearts will finally be set free as the larger harvest, the larger harvest is brought in. It's the final harvest. You say, when? When, Lord, will you come? When will you deliver us from the darkness? Watch and see now, my children. Watch and see what I do. Stay alert. Be ready. And in every moment, Carefully discern all things as the enemy roams the earth, seeking to kill and destroy as never before. My insulated wall of fire will protect you. And my angelic guard surrounds you always. Nice. Be sober and vigilant. All is about to change. Never fear. And do not despair, for your king is here. And I go before you, Jesus. Tell me that isn't awesome. Nah, don't bother, because I won't agree. That's incredibly awesome. Anyway, on that note, praise God, let's go ahead and do, or enter into, if you will, communion. Praise God. Here we go.
lead to the heavenly court. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done, you had power because, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as all heaven exploded in tears. We were free from our chains, and all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win, so we gather remembering the healer of our soul, destroyer of death. The Lord of our all, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in a land, all of creation. Restored by his hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember All scars will be healed As we long for your coming we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride, when our waiting has ceased. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord God which I also deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes Ani, Badodi, Badodi Lee, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Dear Heavenly Father, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our minds, our soul, our spirit, our flesh, and our tongues, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven, with your precious blood. And Father, your Zechariah 2.5 Holy Fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
praise you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that you set your wills against us or our loved ones, you shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And the entity of the darkness in Jesus' name that would launch a fiery dart, that would enter into a demonic contract or agreement against us, that would use a, any type of earthly or spiritual weapon against us, at the very moment that you set your wills against us, you shall be struck by the fire of God in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We decree the fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to encircle our entire dwelling place, to follow us wherever we go, to encapsulate our cars, to encapsulate us and our loved ones. Father God, we pray for the divine protection of the fire of God. May cluster bombs of fire explode around, all around about us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and scatter the darkness. In Jesus' name, we pray for warrior angels to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your divine protection. We pray, Father, for a warrior angels, a delta force of warrior angels, strike angels in the name of Jesus Christ to be assigned to us, to shut down all demonic portals in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, to shut down all the indirect attempts to come against us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We command it. We declare it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that these angels will make good eyes blind, good ears deaf, Hunt and search out every attempt to come against us. Stifle it and shut it down. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up this golden bowl of forgiveness symbolically before your throne. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, please pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness upon all the peoples of the lands of the Middle East. Please, Father. It is written in your scripture what is going to happen there, and it's going to be awful. It's already horrible, horrible, awful, awful, horrible, horrible, awful. It's going to get so much worse. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Father, we hold up symbolically to you a golden cup of forgiveness, and we pray, Father, forgive them. Forgive the peoples of the lands of Gaza. Forgive the peoples of the lands of Iran. Forgive the peoples of the lands of Turkey. Forgive the peoples of the lands of Jordan. Forgive the peoples of the lands of Israel. Forgive the peoples in, uh, in, that are operating in the IDF and the IAF. Forgive the people that are working on behalf of Netanyahu. Forgive the people that are working on behalf of the Jews that are not Jews and, on, and are doing so unwittingly. Father, forgive the people that are being coerced to lie about how they were treated so that they can use their lying tongues to shove forward and to promote more death, more horror, Father God. We just pray that your golden cup of forgiveness will be poured out over all the peoples of the Middle East in the name of Jesus. Father, please forgive them. Forgive them, for they, they know not what they do. The Houthis don't know what they're doing. The people in Iran don't know what they're doing. The little kids, the moms and the dads, the people going to the stores, the, they don't know. They don't understand. Please, Father, pour out a golden bowl of forgiveness upon them all. Father, forgive them all, all the peoples of Israel and all the surrounding lands, all the people all across Turkey, the two million man army, Lord, Lebanon. Pour out in Jesus' name. 
a bowl of forgiveness upon them. Forgive them, Father, please. They know not what they do. None of them do. They don't. Praise you, Father. Father, for we as a royal priest, a royal priest, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And Father, we pray and we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of the Middle East. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before creation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. All of them. In Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, rulers of darkness and high places above the lands of the Middle East, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb of God, we decree fire swords of cherubim shot down from the heavens to cut you into pieces in Jesus' name. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we plead in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for trillions of legions of warriors angels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped swords, sharp as razor blades, and archangels to follow, to enter into war against the principalities, the powers, and the spiritual host of wickedness, the thrones above the lands of the Middle East, in Jesus' name, and to wage war against them such as, not, such as they have never experienced or imagined. In Jesus' name. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost peoples across all of the lands of the Middle East and Israel. Everyone, strong men, come forth. Subordinate spirits, out now. In the name of Jesus, we command you to come out of those people. Out now. We have loosed your legal rights to stay there, and we command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. Now. We decree in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the holy fire of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony. Yes, we have come to punish you before your time, for greater things than these will we do. Because our King has gone unto the Father. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you will seal with your blood that pit, just even even if just but for a time, Father, in Jesus' name, we're looking for a breakthrough. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we decree the crystal river, the living water, and your abundant grace, Father, to flow deep into the hearts and the souls and the minds. Father, into every one of the peoples of the lands of the Middle East, deep into them to fertilize the soil of their heart, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain. John fifteen sixteen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And Father, we plead for an innumerable company of angels of light and love and the presence of Jesus to enter into their dreams, to enter into their visions of the night, when deep sleep falls upon them, to save their souls from the pit, 
and to seal their instruction in accordance with the awesome word and promise of Job 33, 14, 15. In Jesus' name. Father, we know that you would want not one to perish, not one, one. We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will send angels, in Jesus' name, into the spiritual realm to stand guard beside those souls that are going to be slaughtered tonight, tomorrow, the next day. To stand in the spiritual realm beside them. Father, you know who they are. We pray in Jesus' name that you will send angels into the spiritual realm, guarded angels, groups of angels, with protection. And that when the slaughter begins, that the angels will fight off the demons of darkness, grab them, and bring them to the throne room of God to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in accordance with your will, Father, we know you don't want one of them to perish. Send your angels into the spiritual realm. Save their souls with visions and dreams. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We know you love them all. For God so loved the world, the whole world, all 195 countries, 243 if you count the island nations, as we ought. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Protect we, your servants, we pray. Draw us in closer, fill us with your love, cleanse and purify us, and bring us to a place in our walk where we can lift you up and glorify you before the entire world. In Jesus' name we pray forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet 
found for me. Till then, we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then, we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full, our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins, we will be. Your bride awaits thee patiently. Longing for that blessed sound, the dead will rise. The churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free Thank you.